the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. If you've ever seen the movie Indiana Jones, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a Bible verse in that movie. You may remember that. Micah 6 verse 8 is one of the famous verses from the book of Micah. He has shown all you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And this is Exploring the Word. We're in the book of Micah. But Bert, I would... Uh, submit there is even a more well-known verse than that. Micah 6, 8 is wonderful, but Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come forth for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from everlasting. Micah 5, 2. That, too, is, I guess, maybe the most well-known verse in Micah, but they're all good, aren't they? They are good, but it's funny that you read the opening uh, the one in chapter six, and if I decided, if we decided that I was open, I was going to read the one in chapter five, verse two. But we <laughs> yeah. covered both of them, and again, chapters five and chapter six, uh, they have a message. But chapter five, it really, really speaks on Jesus about his first time he comes, but also the second time he comes. So, Alex, these are well-known passages, scriptures. And uh, he, uh, Mike is finishing up his second sermon uh, here in chapter 5 about the, the servant, about Jesus. And then he opens up in chapter 6, and it's kind of like a court proceeding. Uh, the, you know, the, they have the thing that they say you're guilty of, and then they have the witnesses, and they have the defense, and then, then they have the, the pronouncement of judgment. So Micah mm-hmm. ends up, I would think... Uh, you know, on higher ground here, especially in those two verses that you read. Well, you know what's interesting? I had I had made a note in my Bible here in Micah chapter 5 about Habakkuk one twelve. Now, Habakkuk one twelve says, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Now, the word everlasting that speaks of God, because God is eternal, God is everlasting. That very same word is used in Micah 5.2 that says, From out of Bethlehem one would come whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Now, who came out of Bethlehem that his goings (laughs) forth are from old? And I think about, um, you know, in John chapter 18, when Jesus was before Pilate, and he said, for this cause I came into the world. In other words, Christ attested to the fact that he existed prior to the world. And in other words, he said, before Abraham was, I am. So the the same word for everlasting that is attributed to God in Habakkuk 1.12 is attributed to the one that would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. And so... You know, you see these things, and we've talked about uh, how really Jesus is on every page of Scripture, and I just think it's fascinating to look at these because in spite of all the goings-on with Israel and they'd turn to God, they'd fall away, but really the theme of the story, the big uh, message of the book 
is Jesus who came into the world to be our Savior and how you can, through faith, simple faith in Jesus, you can be saved. And this is talking about he, verses 2 through most of verse 5. Uh, notice how many times it says he. I, again, we come back to verse 2. But notice this. Therefore, in verse 3, it says, Therefore, he shall give them up. And then look at verse 4. And he shall stand and feed his flock. And verse 5, mm. And this one shall be peace. This one, the Lord Jesus. Now, Bethlehem has had a lot, a lot of famous people who were a part of it. Rachel, uh, we find out... Uh, Benjamin was born there, and we find out Rachel's buried close to the, that place. And and Alex, you go on and on, and you know Ruth and and her mother-in-law. Yeah, they came back, and Boaz was there. And then David, this is his home. As Samuel would make his way to Bethlehem to to Jesse's home to find the next king, and it was David out of Bethlehem. And now. Jesus. So this is the one. Jesus is the only one of all those that I've talked about being connected with Bethlehem that is from everlasting, from old to everlasting. And notice the terminology here. Notice the contrast in verse 2. It's talking about judgment and how difficulties. Uh, they Notice in chapter 5, verse 1, the end of it. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. But... You, O Bethlehem. Now, that's one of the last kings, and we find that in Second Kings. I forgot exactly which chapter where Zedekiah was taken captive and was struck across the face exactly like this mm. said. In verse 2, it gives you that contrast. But there's yeah. going to come one out of Bethlehem that he's going to be the ruler. He's the ruler of Israel. And notice all the things he does. He shall give them up until the time that, she who is labor has given birth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. And Alex, uh, he does a great work, and Micah lays it out. And then as we continue on, he'll talk about what's going to happen a little bit about what's going to happen in the future concerning this same one. He comes back again. Well, the kingdom age, you know, and uh, we love this in Micah 5, you know, he will stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now shall he be great to the ends of the earth. Um, a lot of people have read the, the middle to latter part of uh, Micah 5, and of course, there's going to be this remnant that regathers to uh, vanquish the Assyrians, but there's there's a reference to the kingdom age, and there'll be peace in the land. And he shall tread in our palaces, and then shall we raise up against him seven shepherds, eight principal men, and they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod. Do you know, in a way, uh, there's a reference to political, military, and even spiritual opposition to God and God's people. Uh, the remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as showers upon the grass, uh, that tarries not for man nor waits for the sons of men. Um, you know, not a full-out rainstorm, but just dew on the grass that is evaporated in the sunshine. Often there's there's a remnant of, of God's people. And let, let me say, Bert, 
we got a lot to be concerned about regarding our nation right now. I get that. I mean, we're in some serious times of spiritual struggle, but God always has a remnant. Just like water might be scarce, it might be a time of drought, but every morning when the sun rises, there is a little bit of dew on the grass. Isn't there always, in the spirit of verse 7, Micah 5, 7, there's always a remnant. Even, it might just be a few, but there's always... Uh, a few that do care about truth and the living God, isn't there? There is. And sometimes it's in the world. Sometimes it's in a land. Sometimes it's in a denomination even. And sometimes it's in a church. You have that. And we're living in a day of, as we have said, wokeness. And uh, many people are wanting to go that way, even in the church time. And again, we, we're not here trying to browbeat anyone but praise god for those that stand on the word of god in love speak the truth in love and that's exactly what we try to do we're not uh it's not a doormat or but it's it's also we shouldn't be a raging bull but we do need to be a prophet crying in the wilderness thus saith the lord and uh alex again that remnant however big or small it might be uh, it is the people who follow God, who love God, and and desire to be Him, and that's what happens when you get over to chapter six. I'm gonna, I don't mean I'm skipping over there, but that's what happens when you read verse eight. It is these people who do justly, who love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I would say there's those people who have been around in each age. You know, God has His people. And uh, they love him, and they serve him. And again, that remnant is very, very important. Uh, there's been times when that remnant's been very, very small. Let me see Noah and his three boys and their wives. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Just eight souls. Uh, that's a pretty small remnant, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, it really is a small remnant. But you know what? We need to pray, I mean, that people would be saved and that people would be emboldened. And, you know, I'm praying for our our nation at this moment, Bert, that at this time of, of great extremity, because there's the culture, but then there's for a number of years been, you know, observation of evangelism is not really taking place too much. I want to get back to Micah 5, but Probably seven or eight years ago, I read the Barner Research Group, George Barner, a very respected guy. Um, they said there was not a county in the USA that had had a net increase in conversion growth of people being one to Christ. Now, there are some people getting led to Christ. There's also a lot of people that die, and, and a few, sadly, that walk away from the faith. So that's called an attrition rate, but a net increase in conversion growth, not transfer of letter, but people being one to Christ. And Greg Laurie, famous evangelist, this is seven, eight years ago, he said the problem, we have forgotten how to lead people to Jesus. Now, that's a big issue. We need to, what remnant there is, we need to commit ourselves to a a lot of the things of God, but not the least of which is evangelism. Yeah. I mean, the church in every age must be committed to winning lost people to faith in Jesus. And Alex, I would say, is it more difficult in these age uh, that we live in? Let me just share with you. I, matter of fact, I may preach this sermon Sunday where I'm preaching. If you look at the book of Acts and you see uh, 
when you start looking at the numbers, you'll say 3,000 was added to the church, 5,000 were added to the church, a great multitude. And this is in the first part of the book of Acts. As you go through the latter part, it changes the terminology. It will say many. It will say uh, a large number, but it doesn't use the multitudes. It doesn't give you thousands and thousands. Uh, and, and was it different because Peter was a better preacher than Paul? I don't think that was different. I don't think there's the Holy Spirit. But do you notice the audience being different? In the first part of the book of Acts, you had what is called, I would call, a ready-made audience. Mm-hmm. They, they knew there was one God. They knew that a Messiah was coming. They knew the Old Testament. But when Paul got into the Roman Empire, into pagan territory, uh, they didn't believe in it. They believed in many gods. They didn't believe in a, any kind of a resurrection. They didn't have the Old Testament. They didn't believe it. And so we're living in a day when evangelism sometimes uh, is, is you've got to bring them from, hey, there is a God and you can know him. Uh, they, mm-hmm. uh, we got a group of people who don't know, even know if there's a God or not. So, uh, but we need to get back to evangelism and sharing the gospel. Paul and Peter, guess what? They preach the same gospel. And it's yeah, the and same Holy Spirit. So it works today just like it did then when we share it. Even if it's just inviting people to church, that's uh, something else. Uh, I really think it's important to cultivate a culture of inviting people to church. Because you just never know. Somebody's eternity might be changed. Amen. And we hope your eternity has been changed. If not, we want you to come to know Christ as Savior. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the best friend you could ever have. He's Savior and Lord. And we're going to continue talking about him in the next segment. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Ty Johnson, Acting Director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement at the Department of Homeland Security. His agency protects the United States from cross-border crime and illegal immigration. Psalm 4-8 reminds us of God's gifts of safety and protection. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask you to guide Ty Johnson in his work for ICE. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says the raw materials of language can teach us something important about the raw materials of life. He'll share that insight with us today as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you went to preschool or elementary school, the first thing that the teachers wanted to instruct you on was the alphabet. Because the foundation of knowledge is based on words. Words are dependent on letters. When people want to cite the completeness of a thought, they will say from A to Z. If A to Z is the completeness of communication, understanding, and knowledge, 
for all of your life, from the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night, you are banking on the fact that those letters are not changing on you. What the ABCs are to us in the English language, Alpha and Omega is in the Greek language. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. When Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, he is declaring that he himself is the complete knowledge base for all of life. Learn more about how the Lord defines himself through the various ways he's described in scripture. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Hey, it's National Truth for Youth Bible Week here on AFR. Each year, uh, close to the start of school, we have this week where you can call in if you're a teenager or you know a teenager that would give a Bible to a friend at school, one of those friends that's probably lost, uh, they think they may be lost, not in church, and you can call it in and you can get this great New Testament that has some some stories in the beginning that demonstrate our need for Christ and show the things that are that can be done in living a Christ-like life and the advantage of it. And then it has the Bible from, from Matthew to Revelation, and it is a great tool to share. And you can be a part of that. Tim Todd was with us yesterday for the whole program telling us about the lives. It's been changed over 25,000 Young people have sent mm. in testimonies about their lives being changed after they received one of these youth for weak Bibles. And that number that you can call, it's so important, is 800-733-4737, 800-733-4737, or you can go online at truthforyouth.com, truthforyouth.com. And Alex, uh, you can order uh, multiple copies of this, if you desire. Yes, and uh, they're real inexpensive. Uh, Todd says he sells them at his cost, and so if you want to get ten or fifty or whatever, uh, you can get them and you can hand them out to a, and make it a project. It's a great ministry, isn't it? Well, it is, and I want to encourage you to go to their website, Revival Fires, F-I-R-E-S, RevivalFires.org, and we're getting some for—we have an event Friday night, and we're going to be giving out 100 in English and 100 in Spanish, and, you know, I was so excited. I, I called to place an order for an event we're doing this weekend, and my phone rang, and it was Tim Todd himself, <laughs> and I got to speak with him, but they, they are wonderful, and— Yes, it's the New Testament, it's the Word of God, but they also have, um, you know, the, the term is graphic novel, not a, not a, like, comic book necessarily, but 
the story of Jesus is in picture form, very, very quality done. And I want to tell you, because we've had some of these before, that the teenagers, they read them. I mean, they read it, they hear the gospel, they learn the story of Jesus, and the cover art is very compelling. So this is, we, I use this phrase, Bert, and sometimes I have to qualify, culturally relevant. Now, we know the message of Jesus is for all people at all times. But look, youth, I mean, they, they've got things that appeal to them. And Tim Todd and Revival Fires is doing such a great work with the, the way the cover is designed, the way the content is laid out. And it's, it's a New Testament that young people will read. And I, I was all on their site last night, and they're, oh, my goodness, they've got all these languages and a lot of other great resources. So we are uh, very grateful that God has raised them up to reach young people at this time, aren't we? We are, and that's the example of the partners that AFR has. Just let me share. We we know we're not out here in an island by ourselves. We partner with others. Like when we get through, Tony Perkins comes on and follow us, the Family Research Council. Uh, you know, we, we have so many that we appreciate and love and tim todd and his ministry preborn uh you know the fishbowl retreat fishbowl retreat samaritan (laughs) sure hey talking about fishbowl retreat it's coming up in october and the people are registering so you can register at repairing the foundations.net repairing the foundations.net it's going to be october the 19th through the 21st pickwick landing state park near savannah Tennessee. I'll be there. My wife will be there and she'll be speaking. She really speaks to wives. And uh, we've had several of the pastors hear her and they said, can we get Jan without you, Bert? And I said, I come along <laughs> with her. So anyway, Ed Vitagliano, he is speaking and JJ Jasper. So Alex, what opportunity it is. And while we're doing it, how's Truth for New Generation doing? How's it doing? Oh, praise God. Well, I want to tell you folks, October 15 through 17, Truth for a New Generation. That's the Apologetics Worldview Conference. We're going to be at First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You can sign up. Just go to my own website, which is my name, alexmcfarland.com. Sandy Rios will be there, E.W. Jackson, Frank Turek, a very special message. We're, we're talking about things like a, a biblical response to the woke movement, critical race theory. What is critical race theory? Miki Addison is going to be speaking and, you know, why do all these worldviews matter? But we've got a very special uh, track for teenagers. We're partnering with a, a ministry called Ground Zero, great ministry. Uh, I've known them for 12 or 13 years. And one of the things, in addition to like myself and Frank Turek and all the speakers, if your church needs help with its youth ministry, we're going to sit down, Scott Pesauer, myself, the staff of Ground Zero, we're going to train your church how to reach teenagers for Christ. And it doesn't matter, you say, well, we don't have a lot of resources. Rural, urban, wherever you are, among all the other seminars, and there's for parents, for adults, for teens, but we've got a very special track about reaching and retaining young people. And that's October 15 through 17 in South Carolina. And you can learn complete info about this at my my site, which is alexmcfarland.com. But come out because, you know, I'll say this and we'll get back to Micah. The bottom line is the gospel for America. 
revival in our times, and we need it, don't we, Bert? We're desperate. We're desperate for him. His presence. We need his presence in our life, in our family, in our churches. And when his presence is there, his power is there as well. And that power changes. He changes lives as he works through us to share the good news of Christ, to demonstrate it's our walk and our talk. And uh, so that's exactly what Micah's referring to over in chapter 6, verse 8, when he talks about walking justly and living right and humbly with your God. So you got to talk it and you got to live it. And those need to be parallel. Speaking of that, in verse 10 of chapter 5, I want to do something. And notice this, Alex. You know I'm looking for those repeated words. But listen to this, verse 10. Uh, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, cut off your horses from your midst. Verse 10, destroy your chariots. I will cut off the cities of your land in verse 11, your strongholds in verse 11. Verse 12, your hands, uh, cut off the sorceries of your hands. Verse 13, scatter pillars from your midst. And verse 13, the work of your hands, I will pluck. In verse 14, I'll pluck your your wooden images. And then mm-hmm. in verse 14, I'll destroy your cities. Alex, do you hear that word, Y-O-U-R? Uh, somebody yeah. is going to be, can I say it, wiped out? Man. Uh, exactly. And, you know, in verse 14, um, in the King James, you, you mentioned wooden images, but the King James says groves, G-R-O-V-E-S. And there were these grottos or groves of idols. And it says, I will pluck up your groves from out of the midst of you, so I will destroy thy cities. Uh, so, listen, when politically, culturally, morally, socially, and, yes, spiritually— when there are things that are a wedge between people and God, um, judgment, it might seem severe, but when God plucks up the things that are destroying you, God's judgment actually is mercy, isn't it? It is. The judgment uh, comes, but also during that, and I, I know we fer- referred to Noah quite a bit, the judgment came, but also the deliverance came in the ark. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that is the whole idea. But here he is saying yours, yours. In other words, what had happened, they had relied completely. Horses, chariots, warfare, your land, your strongholds, your agriculture, the things you felt good about, uh, your sorceries, your religion. is is. They thought as long as they were doing certain religious acts, that it would cover a multitude of sins. Now, that's not what covers a multitude of sins. It's not your, quote, religious acts. And we're going to get to that later in Chapter 6 again. And so, Alex, uh, they had done everything they could. So that's the whole idea. When you do it on your own, remember what the Scripture says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one stacks up. No one can fill that gap. No wonder can. No one can jump that that chasm between where you are and where God is. Only Jesus Christ could bridge that gap, and that's still true today. You know, I think about in the seventies there was a there was a play, and and you know what? It might sound irreverent, but actually it's really true. But there was this play. Uh, years and years ago, probably 50 years ago, and it's, the title of it was Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. 
And uh, anyway, it was it was based on the prodigal son. Uh, y- your arms aren't big enough to box with God. Okay. Now, in chapter 6, it talks about contending with the Lord. Hear ye now what the Lord says. Arise, contend before the mountains. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and you strong foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. Now, you don't want controversy with God. <laughs> you, you don't want to get at cross purposes with the Lord. But here's the thing. Even though there was controversy and contending God against a sinful people, says he will plead for his people, or in other words, uh, argue for or intercede for. Now, verse 3 of Micah 6, it's very poignant. O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. I mean, this is God saying, hey, hey, what have I done wrong to you that you would turn against me? Isn't that something? I brought you out of Egypt, the redeemed uh, from the house of servants. I sent you, uh, I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from uh, Chittim unto Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old? Uh, See, uh, very often God would have to remind his people about their history. And, Bert, I think that's a wonderful thing if we look back and think about all God has done for us, how far God has brought us, and really um, we'll get convicted really quickly about our wandering and our ingratitude. Yeah. Alex, what you have here in the first bit of this chapter is like a courtroom setting. The New King James Version really, uh, and it uses, it's the same, the meaning, but here it says, I plead, uh, arise, plead your case before me. And then it says, this is the Lord's complaint. In other words, God is bringing his charges against them. You said controversy, you know. God's mm-hmm. bringing his charges against, verse verse 4, against his people. And then look what he says. This is what I've done for you. So well said in verses 3 through 5. This is what I've done for you. And then in verse 6, their only answer is, is to do more religious, traditional uh, doings. It says, shall I come before you? Now, notice it says, shall I come before you with burnt offerings? And then he gets a little more, with calves a year old. And then it says, is that not enough? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand realms or 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I or give my, my firstborn? firstborn for my transgression? And and he says, no, that's that's not it. It's not what you are doing. It's who you are. And that's what he comes to in verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. Not all this religious rigor that you're doing, but what does the Lord require of you? To be certain a person, to do that which is justly, uh, just justified, justly, get it out in a minute, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, this is not how to be saved, but if you're saved, this is what's expected of you. 
uh, I, I wrote in my Bible, not for salvation, but for discipleship. I'd say verse mm-hmm. 6, 8 is a great discipleship model, Alex. And, and let me say, you're right. It is discipleship. It's not the plan of salvation. Uh, what does the Lord require of you? Uh, to do good, walk justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. See, if you're saved, that's how you're going to live. And so, um, you know, I want to be clear that Micah 6, 8, and we opened with this verse earlier in the show, these are wonderful things, and we, this is how we should live, justly, to be merciful, to walk humbly with God. Um, but I would say this is the outflow of a changed life. This is not the plan of salvation. Amen, Alex. It is. And again, he's talking to his people because listen to this when he comes to verse 9. The Lord's voice cries to the city, Wisdom shall see your name. Hear the rod or listen to me. Who has appointed it? And then God begins to plead. Listen to him. Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the short measure that is an abomination, shall I count pure those with the wicked balances and with the bag of deceitful weights? For her rich men are full of violence, her inhabitants have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Do you see this? What happens in verses 10 and 11 especially is contradicting what God required in verse 8. Mm. You know? Wow, that's true. That's true. And there's a price for this. Um, he says, I'm going to make you sick by striking you, make uh, you desolate because of your sins. You will eat and not be satisfied. Hunger shall be in your midst. Goes on to 15 and 16. You're going to sow and not reap. Uh, you're going to tread olives, but there's no oil. And two wicked kings, uh, Omri and Ahab. Two of the most wicked, you know? Yeah. I mean, very wicked kings that had led Israel into idolatry, um, their names are invoked and their sins really were on the people. And it says you're walking in their steps. Hey, we want you to call us that number, 888-589-8840. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, He himself stayed in Asia for a while. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As Apostle Paul navigated torrential ministerial waters in Ephesus, he sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him as an advance team to Macedonia. Paul also includes Erastus as one who greeted the church at Rome in Romans 16.23, in which Paul described Erastus' job as the city treasurer in Corinth. 
1929, archaeologists in Corinth discovered a mid-first century Latin inscription that read, Erastus, in return for his edelship, laid the pavement at his own expense. The modern equivalent of a first century edel would be a city manager. The Bible is trustworthy. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In New Orleans, Michelle and I had a favorite po' boy sandwich shop. Every time we got a fried shrimp po' boy, we'd unwrap our sandwich, and more fried shrimp would fall out of the sandwich than there was stuffed inside the bread, and it was so good. Well, when we generously forgive and extend mercy to others, God gives generously to us. He fills our basket, shakes it a little, and then presses it down to make room for extra. Then he fills it until his blessings run over and fill our laps. God multiplies his blessings to those who give mercy, to those who forgive. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. In Him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bertie and Alex, and we're taking phone calls. That number, and we have a line or two open, is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. But we're going to go to the phone lines and get as many calls in today as we can, and we're going to Kansas first, and it's Chris. Chris, welcome. Hey, how are you all today? Doing good, good. today, brother. Alex, I just finished um, Stand, Stand Strong, the book you wrote for college kids going off to college. Praise God. Thank you for reading that. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'm 60. I bought it for me and my granddaughter and her boyfriend are going to be freshmen. And so I bought three and we're, I finished it. They haven't finished it yet, but they're reading it. And I also bought uh, 21 Answers. They were both... yeah, sure. Well, with folks in goodness gracious, thank life. you so much. Thank hey, you. My middle, my middle daughter has a uh, second grade son, and he's asking questions. And she said, "Dad, you're my go-to guy." I said, "Well, I'm going to get this book." So yeah. I'm reading both of those. So hey, uh, yeah. hey, Chris, Chris, that's pretty good. Yeah. The go-to guy goes to the go-to guy. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. That, the that's glory. that's it, that's smart. Great work, Chris. Amen. Hey. Maybe a simple question, and after I ask it, I want to listen on the radio because it's not real loud in my ears. Where is Satan and his demons? Okay, where are they? Where are they? 
there, let me see that scripture. It says a roaring lion, the uh, Satan goes around seeking whom mm -hmm. he may devour. Sounds yeah. like he's roaming the earth, uh, checking up and seeing what havoc he can make, Alex. Exactly. And, sir, by the way, thanks for listening to the program, and thank you with, with all my heart. Thank you for reading the books that God's allowed me to write. But, you know, where are Satan and the demons? Ephesians 2, 2 calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. Bert, I honestly believe all around us there are there's spiritual battle going on. Now, I don't think we need to be afraid or paranoid because if you're a born-again believer— the Holy Spirit of God is within you. You are safe and secure in Jesus. But if for only a fleeting second we could see the angelic struggle and battle that's going on all around us, I think we'd be shocked. Yeah. Uh, this I've, I've told and I've read it, and uh, this present darkness, piercing the darkness, uh, they're novels, but they demonstrate the spiritual warfare, I think, that I understand it biblically as much as any books I've ever read. And it is all around us, but Satan came. He, he's our enemy, and our enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And uh, I, I preached a sermon Sunday about who do men say that I am, and, you know, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Jesus then began to tell them, how he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer and even die and be raised the third day. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it says that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You remember how Jesus responded? Get yeah. me behind me, Satan. Uh, Satan doesn't care who he uses to do his work. He uses lost people. So don't give Satan room in your word in, to be uh, negative all the time, to be uh, a gossip, to be someone that's uh, angry all the time, bitterness. Don't give room for Satan to use you. He cannot possess you, but he can influence you, and he even used Peter. Get That's pretty strong, Alex. Get thee behind me, Satan. And uh, yeah. that was response to what Peter did in rebuking him. That's right. You know, not too, too long ago, Bert and I taught through the book of Galatians. And Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if your life is controlled by the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering or, or patience, really gentleness, goodness, faith. Hey, we're going to go to the next question, but the, the music you heard when we came back from the break, it says, I'm pressing on. Bert, did you take note of that? Devin picks the best music, and I, I love that. Look, we've got perseverance. Amen. We're pressing on. Amen. And uh, we, we are walking with and for the Lord. And so let's not let Satan have any foothold in any of our lives. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who died for us and loves us. Amen. Thank you so much, Chris. Let's go up to call. Kentucky and talk to Jake. Jake, welcome. What's up, gentlemen? How are you doing this afternoon? Doing good, brother. Um, I had a question for the two of you. Uh, I'm about to begin. I'm about to begin study of Proverbs, and I've heard uh, a lot of people say they they take a chapter a day, or you know, and and, and that sort of thing. But how would you? How would you? Uh, uh, how do you guys study the? the book of proverbs alex you got a book on that don't you 
I did. Um, and if you Google on, you know, Amazon or whatever, you'll find it. I wrote a book on Proverbs. It's kind of a little devotional book. Um, but I, I commend you. Proverbs is wonderful. For one thing, I, I think it's very easy to read, you know, and, and because it's so practical. And pray, you know, Proverbs 1-7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, you know, when you begin, like the first nine chapters of Proverbs, um, there's really encouragement to pursue truth. And then um, chapters 10 through 29 are a lot of really uh, pithy statements. Just It's just good wisdom, practical wisdom, and warnings against sin. And then 30 and 31 um, are actually 30 and 30 through 31 are called the discourse proverbs. And what's interesting is there's like an acrostic that's a reference to the Hebrew alphabet in chapter 31. But um, a chapter a day is good. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and you know, you could read it in a month. But I think the thing that I would say is that God is the God of truth, and truth applies to life. And every day before you read, you know, um, pray that prayer, you know, of Psalm 119, verse 18 Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wonderful things from your word. And you go into this understanding that the most important truth of all is Christ the Savior, and then God's Word, which shapes us and grows us, you'll benefit from reading God's book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Let me suggest one other thing to add to that. I would read Psalms along with that. Uh, 31, 150 Psalms. If you read five Psalms with one proverb, you'd in 30 days you'd go through uh, you'd go through Psalms, and then you would have already gone through the book of Proverbs the next day. And and they, they kind of balance each other. They're both what to call in the area of poetry, Jake, and they, they really have the book of Proverbs has so many great, great, uh, I would say, provisions for life and how to live life. And it's practical, very practical. And and so, but Psalms adds to it, Alex. That's what I found out. It's kind of like Proverbs feeds my mind, Psalms feeds my soul. And when mm-hmm. you get those together, it, I, I think it's a fantastic uh, uh, way to do it. Thank you, Jake. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Michael. Michael, welcome. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing well. Good. Go I right ahead. A, uh, Okay. Um, I had um, an adventure with Jesus uh, three years ago. And there's an angel that cries to John in Revelations. He said, Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy. Jesus said to some disciples and opened up all the scriptures concerning himself. When Jesus went throughout his ministry, he would say that, that he, it was to him for fulfilled prophecy. And he, he said it several times, more than four. And uh, one day I asked the Lord uh, that the Father would never abandon you uh, because you always do those things that please him. 
So I asked the Lord, what is Jesus saying on the cross when he says, my God, my God, what has thou forsaken me? And the angel three days later, or the Lord, took me to Psalms 22, where they pierced his hands and his feet. They mocked him. They cast lots on his clothes. And I realized that Jesus was screaming on the cross when he when he said it is finished, that he was saying, I fulfilled Psalms 22. Amen. Mm. Hey, Michael, uh, you're right on. Those scriptures tie in. So uh, did you know there is at least 360 scriptures in the prophecies concerning Jesus in the Old Testament? Alex, let me say 360, a little more than that, but at least that many. Uh, somebody told me that, and they listed them, and I looked at them, and they're there. And guess how many of them he fulfilled? Every one of them. And, uh, every single one. Every single one of them. To, I mean, that's who Jesus is. And uh, the Psalms 22, listen, you, you bet, Michael. Alex, got anything to say to that before we go to the next caller? Well, you, you got it right. I mean, Jesus cried from the cross, Psalm 22, verse 1. And as, as all of our sins were put on Jesus for the first and only time in all of eternity, and, and we don't completely understand this, but in the payment of our sins on the cross, as he who knew no sin became sin for us, the Father turned from the Son. And, Bert, I've got to believe that's during that time that the sky became dark for three hours. I believe it was words and visual, audio and video, as you would say. And the the earth trembled. I I mean, it's a wonder reality itself didn't unravel. Amen. But Jesus went through that pain and the separation and the anguish of Calvary for you and me because he loves us. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him of bringing many to himself. He didn't enjoy the cross. He endured the cross. What a pain. What a price he paid for you, for me. Trust him today if you never have. Hey, John in Texas. Welcome, brother. Uh, John, can, uh, you, can you hear me? Yeah, you're on. Go right ahead. Uh, okay, good. Uh, yeah, I would like to uh, ask a question about... The guard at the temple, at the tomb, when they, when the guys went to the magistrates and said, hey, this deceiver guy, he said uh, in three days he's coming back. So if uh, the body's stolen, then the second, uh, uh, then in the deceit, the second deceit is worse than the first. You know, and so it's like, wait a minute. And so they said, we wait. You guys have a guard. You go make that tomb as secure as you know how to make it. And so uh, everybody, all, the, all these movies show that it's a Roman guard at the tomb. But the magistrates, who was the magistrates that they went and talked to that said, hey, you have a guard, you go make it as pure as you want, as you know how. Okay, okay, John. We're going to go ahead and, Alex, uh, we know it was the temple guards that came to arrest Jesus. But mm-hmm. at some point in time, it, the last people that had him in their custody, quote, was the Roman guards, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it really was. And this is uh, really in um, Luke. Well, it, it's in several of the Gospels. And I want to recommend a book, one of the best writers that goes over all of these details. And, 
you know, that's one of the great proofs of the resurrection is the fact that Roman soldiers, that if they were given an assignment and they fail, they could be executed. And yet Jesus was able to, uh, that they fell back like dead men. But one of the great writers on this is Gary Habermas, H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S. And he wrote a book, there are many I, I could recommend, but this is a good one, The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus. Habermas and Lycona, L-I-C-O-N-A, Michael Lycona, two very trustworthy scholars, great defenders of the resurrection. Habermas does something that he calls minimal facts, things that even critical scholars agree on, that Jesus did miracles, claimed to be the Son of God, people believed it, was crucified at Passover. And one of the things, the empty tomb and the guards that uh, were dispatched to make sure he didn't come out of the tomb, and yet he did. Even what are called critical scholars agree that this happened. And so that's a powerful indicator that something very significant happened, that empty tomb and that resurrection from the dead. John, it, it seems like at the last, the Roman guards had taken over. Uh, again, they were working together at this point in time, the magistrates and so forth. Uh, we would love to go to another call. Our time is going to prohibit from talking to Austin and Charles. But, guys, we'd love for you to call back. I love your questions, and uh, I, I get a little bit of a preview of those, and we'd love to talk with you. So if you can call us back, we would want to do that. So thank you so much. Alex, it's been a joy. Uh, we're, we're going to finish the book of Micah tomorrow. That's, that's Wednesday. And then Thursday, we're going to have a special program. Uh, again, uh, Truth for Youth Week, Tim Todd. We're going to have some information, and then we're going to take uh, some phone calls Thursday at the end of the program, and then Friday is Fire Away Friday. So we're going to have the week ahead. We've got it all planned, exciting times, and we want to hear from those that call, don't we? We do. We've got a full week, so tune in. And, hey, mark your radio. Go to AFR.net. You can forward a link of this show. Tell somebody about the great programming of American Family Radio and Exploring the Word. But most of all, most important thing of all, tell everybody about Jesus. We'll see you tomorrow.